since Miss Vicky is playing continually in that melody, anybody ever had that sense of a loss of God's presence momentarily, and you feel like, where is God? Where, 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 where is Jesus? And you're searching, and you know that you love the Lord, and and it doesn't have to be chaos going on to, to cause you to have that that loneliness, that emptiness. It, it's because God's Spirit wants you to reach out to God even more. He wants to fill you afresh over and over and over again, just like he did with the apostles. And it's at that moment that when God says, son or daughter, I hear your cry from within. And I see the yearning of your soul and the thirst that you, you want quenched with my presence. And Jesus is the absolutely fountain of living water that he's waiting to pour himself into us daily if we would just seek the Lord with all our heart. And as he told us time and time again throughout the scriptures, when you seek me with your whole heart, then you will find me. And it was in, it's in those moments of drought that God said all you had to do is just look. And all you got to do is just reach out. And, and, and I'm there. And I'm there in the midnight hour. I'm there in your brightest moment when you are exuberant and having fun and, and, and things are going well. But I'm also there when things are bad, you know. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm a right now God. I'm, you don't have to look for me in the future, but you can find me right now. Amen. And you don't have to go across the street looking for him. And you don't have to go down the alley. All you got to do is stand still as God told Moses. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Salvation don't always mean that God is saving you. It means that God's presence is with you. <laughs> and there's nothing greater than that. And as I'm sitting there, I'm, I, I just sense and I'm going, God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? And all of a sudden, the, the overwhelming person of the Holy Spirit just come upon me sitting there. And I knew that God said, son, here I am. And, and that's what we need. That's what these United States need. We need to call on the living God. We need to call on the risen Savior so he can say, my children, here I am. <laughs> That's what it's all about, folks. Look around you. It's not about sitting in a sanctuary with 40,000 people. It's about sitting in a sanctuary with people that got God's presence with them. Amen. That's what it's all about. Amen. Jesus is what it's all about. And I tell you, it, that's why the writers of the gospel of the Old Testament tell you and I, through the voice of God, whom can you compare me with? And I tell you, when you search and search for that inner peace and that inner presence of God, there's no materialistic thing and no other human can gratify that hunger and thirst for the presence of God. And you know why an atheist life is so difficult? 
It's because they have said in their heart there's no God when in fact they are fighting against their very nature saying, I want God. And they have been lied to and they've lied to themselves and their body is just yearning for the presence of Christ and they don't even know it. And yet, instead of drawing near to God, they push away and they push away until somebody helped them find their way. Now, a lot of them, Lee Strobel was one of them. Amen. Was searching for the true God and said he wanted to have a case to prove that God did not exist. And when he studied God's word, the more he searched, the closer he got to God. And the closer he got to God, God got closer to him. And now he's one of the greatest apologetics there is. Going around the world saying, oh yeah, there is a God. <laughs> and he has a son named Jesus. And so let me tell you, God is amazing. Don't you know that every morning God paintbrushed the earth with his glory? Amen? And every morning the sun, when it rises on a circuit, is showing forth the glory of God. And the clouds say, you're not going to leave us out. And look what kind of pictures they paint before the earth. Amen? And the fowls up there say, we see the clouds, but here we are in our own fashion, God. Okay, glorifying your name. And let me tell you, that's why the Bible tells you that everything has breath. Do what? Praise the Lord because he's worthy. He's worthy and he is worthy. Amen. Amen. And so today, as we get ready to go into our text, we're seeing a man who's struggling for his life, but yet he doesn't care. And I know that this man named Paul had read Psalms 18 because it's part of the Jewish reading. It's part of the upbringing. And he knew that in the midst of his struggles, that his God did not abandon him. He knew that in a moment that hostile crowd could tear him limb for limb. But this man was so in love with Jesus. He didn't care what the crowd did for him. And you know what? As we examine the scriptures today, one of the things you're going to absolutely see is the very person of the Holy Ghost coming to the front and speaking through the Apostle Paul because you're going to see the wisdom of God on display and you're going to see people all of a sudden going, where did that come from? And it's going to confuse the crowd. And then at that right moment of confusion, you're going to see the Heavenly Father reach down and grab his son, Paul, and pull him back to a safe haven. And you know what? God will use his enemies to provide protection. And then the Roman soldiers reached out and grabbed that brother and brought him into the safe house. That's you and me. Every day in the 20th century, 21st century USA, we're struggling with life issues. We're struggling with 
culture changes and we're struggling with law changes that tell us that there is no God, that you can live the way that you want to and there's no accountability and that it is okay to be what you are anywhere you are and you can say and do anything you want to but the living God said no you cannot if that had been the case there would have been no need for Jesus to go to the cross there would have been no need for the son of God to be beaten beyond recognition in fact there would be no need for hell that's right if man could live any way he want to, there wouldn't be a judgment day for man. But because God is holy, there is a place called hell. Because God's Son came himself as a human and lived in this earthly flesh who knows exactly what it's like to be tempted in every way, but yet without sin. So that you and I, in the moments of our struggles, can call on God's son, Jesus, who's holy, and who, being God's great high priest over his house in heaven, can talk to God on your behalf and on mine, and we can gain the greatest grace that is in the universe. And God himself will give us favor for this thing called forgiveness of our sins. Only by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And so as we're about to go before the throne of grace, you know what's so absolutely a blessing? Is that even though collectively we are calling upon the name of the Lord, Jesus knows each one by name. God said, oh, that's Ruth. That's Michaela. Huh? That's Sharon. That's Chrissy. That's, what's your name? <laughs> and so, but God never missed your name, right, Shelly? So as we prepare our hearts to go before the Lord, do know God said, all those whom I've created, I created for my glory. He said, and I call by name. So when you go before God's presence this morning in prayer, God can say, that's my baby. I know who calling me. And Jesus said, yes, Father, that's, that's little Jones down there. That's little Jeremiah calling you. And the heart of God reaches out to his children. And you know what's so good about this as we get ready to go and into this holy place? It doesn't matter what color you are. And it doesn't matter where you come from. Huh? What matter is that the blood of Jesus, you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb of God. And when God sees the blood, he's going to dip my babies. My babies are calling me. My babies are yearning for me. And he goes, here I am. Whew, that's some good stuff. Ain't God good? I don't know what's happening to this country, preacher. I, I can't tell you right now. But I know this, that Jesus is waiting to hear from you. Yes, yes. 
He is waiting. His ears are wide open in heaven. And no demon in hell can stop because the Bible said God, angel, camp around those who fear him. The angels are here. So no demon can get in this sacred place right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So every head bow. Every head bow. Father, the greatest love that any human can experience is your presence. Father, we understand now why Moses said, unless your presence go with us, we are not going anywhere. And Lord Jesus, you are the presence of God. We came here up close and personal and men, women, and boys and girls touched you and they heard you speak face to face and they were able to fellowship with you. And Lord, you did not push a one away. And then at the moment of your departure from the world, you told them that I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you shall be also. And Jesus, you're there. The place is prepared by you. And while you're tearing, Lord, you love to hear from your children. And we believe it just moved the heart of God when children of the Most High talk to him. And this morning, Father, we gather in the name of Jesus in this sacred assembly to tell you, Lord God, we love you. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You, Lord God, you are the God of all the nations. And it is you that we worship in spirit and in truth. It is you, Lord God, that we have our being and we move around and we exist and we do this and we do that, Lord God. And if it wasn't for you, Lord, how could anyone exist? And Jesus... You never push any of these babies away, these small ones. And you tell us to encourage them to come and to talk to you and to sit up on your lap and to embrace you and to love you with all their hearts and with all their soul, with all their mind and with all their strength. They're to love you with everything in them, God. And Father, we, we try to do this. Sometimes we fall short, Father. But your love never falls short for us. And your grace is a never-ending pool, always full. And Jesus, you never stop sprinkling us from heaven. And you are the river of life that you quench our thirst and we never go thirsty, Lord. And being the bread of life, we never go hungry. The table is always full and it's always set before the enemy and our cup runs over and the enemy can't understand why you love a people who were so wicked and so far away from you because you're saying they are my children. I bought them with my blood. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you're the reason why we're here. No other reason. And your spirit has brought us this far. And he will take us all the way through this journey called life in you. So now, Lord, our God, 
be with your people around the world, your church, be with Israel. Israel is devastated right now, Lord, from the fires. Lord, they need your presence. Your chosen people, the apple of your eye, need you, Lord God. And Jerusalem is in such a dismay and needs your peace, your presence, oh God. Now we need you, Lord, here in these United States. Oh God, the mess that we've made in this country. We need you. We need revival in our land. We need our land to humble itself, to seek your face and pray and turn from our wicked ways, oh God. We need you right now. <clears throat> and we know, Father, on that day when we call upon you with the absolute surety of heart that you hear us, Lord, that you will answer us from heaven. Forgive us of our sins and heal our land. Father, begin from the white house all the way down to the black house. It doesn't matter, oh God. From every street corner and every hamlet, oh God, have your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And as your spirit bring forth your word, give us the ear to hear what the spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Sister Vicki. Ain't you an angel before God playing that thing? To God be the glory. Give God some glory. In Acts chapter 23, we're continuing the preaching series in the book of Acts here. And probably next week, we'll halt that temporarily and we'll go into the Christmas season of, of teaching of what God was doing prior to Mary going into Bethlehem. Amen? Because there was a movement going on in the land of Israel. God was setting things in order. Amen? Amen. And so we'll take a look at that next week, beginning next week, the Lord's willing. But right now, once again, this man named Paul, this great man who has already accomplished much, by the Holy Ghost, had already been on three missionary journeys as we know them. And now it is probably somewhere around AD 63, AD 6-4 right now. Because we do know that this arrest will lead to the ultimate sacrifice of Paul. He would be in a Roman jail for two years before he's executed. So we believe that this is probably somewhere around AD 63-64 time period. And him and Apostle Peter will be executed relatively close together in time. But at this moment, the absolute prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ is about to be fulfilled in Paul's life. When it said, Paul, you shall stand before kings. It's going to happen. But right now, there's an uproar in Jerusalem in the temple courts. Why? Because the accusation had been given that Paul had brought a Gentile, that's you and me, into the court of the temple, beyond the court of the Gentiles. Because there were a, a, a couple of different areas. There was a court for women, and then there was a court for Gentiles, and then there was the Jews. 
Okay? And it said, Paul had made the temple unclean by bringing a Gentile beyond the court of the Gentiles. Sometimes we think we make the house of God unclean by bringing certain people that doesn't have great notoriety into the house of God. Okay? But if they can't get their lives straight here, where else can they go if God's people don't open their arms up and say, come on in? That's right. Okay? Because we got to remember this same Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. He said, such was once you. Okay? We forget that the blood of Jesus had what? Cleaned us up. We weren't born saved. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And so Paul now, he's standing there and human wisdom, you can literally see in the scripture where human wisdom stops. That means he's no longer using his own mind. Who now is going to begin to speak through this brother? The Holy Spirit. We're going to see this. The evidence is clear. Watch what's happened in chapter 23 here. Then Paul, looking honestly at the council, remember he's before the Sanhedrin. The word Sanhedrin actually means council. Okay? And said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. So I've done everything right as far as I know. To the best of my ability, to the best of my knowledge, I have lived according to God's plan. How many of you got a testimony like that? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> okay. And then he goes on to say, and the high priest Annas commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. You see the violence that's taking place? The very people that's supposed to be drawing this man closer to the living God is now hurting him. Is that parallelism to us today in the church in the 21st century? We, the very people that we're supposed to be pulling in to God, our words and our hands do what? Cause them harm. And God, God doesn't like that. Now, then Paul said to him, listen carefully, I'm sorry if I get a little funny. I always see this, see this as, as something to laugh at. I'm just sorry, I'm a stupid soldier. Okay? But Paul said, God will strike you. You white wash wall. People, we call whitewash today primer <laughs> to cover up all the marks, okay? In Paul's day, he called it what? Whitewash. On the inside of you is nothing but filth. And you are trying to correct me? Woo! When I read that, I'm going, you go, boy. <laughs> then Paul, you know, he said this, 
And he said, for you sit to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? God never told them as Jews to beat anyone. And Paul said, you're hitting me erroneously. It is illegal for you to lay your hands on me according to God's word. So sometimes we have to be careful what we do. Watch what you say to people and watch what you do to people because you could be violating God's law. Otherwise, his word. Amen. Amen. And just because the person don't worship the way you worship doesn't mean that person is out of order with God. That's right. You need to go back and study the scriptures to see if, in fact, what God is doing through that person is right. Well, if God is doing it, you bet it is what? Right. Okay, these folks have been around the world. They can tell you, culture worship is going to look different from uh, culture to culture. Worship is different. But it doesn't mean that people don't love God. God didn't make everybody the same way. Western mistake. <laughs> we put a white building with a steeple on it, and we want everybody to have one. No, some folks got huts. Some people have nothing. They stand by rivers. Okay, a tree. So, all forms of worship, the one true God and the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, so Paul is talking to them, and those who stood by said to him, Do you revile God's high priest? And then and this is the part that really gets to me, especially as a pastor, that we have to be very careful, especially how others put us up on pedestals. Truly, the high priest was supposed to be God's anointed one. But look at his actions. He has a divisive action rather than one that draws people to God. He's pushing people away. Then Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. And this is the part that I'm trying to get WLC to understand. Just because a preacher or leader doesn't have to be in the house of God, but that man in that White House in Washington, D.C. is a leader of God's people. Watch your mouth. Amen. Sit at home. You may not agree what come out of City Hall, but watch your mouth. Yeah. And I used to tell folks all the time, when they come to me and folks have a habit of coming to say, well, my pastor, I say, oh, stop. <laughs> watch what you're saying. Because God is listening. Paul is having a Difficult moment here standing before this council. He's being judged by his fellow countrymen for doing the works of Christ. The very same people who are supposed to know about the Messiah don't know about him. At least they're rejecting him. Okay? But when Paul perceived that one part was Sadducees and the other Pharisees, who you think is at work now? When it said, when Paul perceived that, that means something spiritually just took place where? On the inside of him. 
The Holy Ghost just gave him a revelation knowledge. And watch what the Holy Spirit do with this revelation knowledge in Paul. Because every now and then, contrary to popular belief, God wants you to shut your mouth. God wants you to listen. And when you shut your mouth and listen, when you're in trouble, watch God work. All right. Too often in our country, we want to be the mouthpiece for God when God said there's only one mouth for him. His. Amen. Amen. So listen, look at the cleverness of what God does by the Holy Spirit in this brother. Because at any moment, this could be one of you, especially Lon and Ruth going around the world preaching the gospel. This could be them on trial. And in that very moment that the Holy Spirit is standing there telling them what to say. It could be you in front of your family. Because families can get very nasty too towards their loved ones who are Christians. Yeah. Now, so Paul perceived, so there's something spiritually going on. Then he, it says he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Do you think maybe he's getting their attention now? Mm -hmm. He said, look, this is my credentials. My daddy was one of you all. You don't think they're listening now? <laughs> and what's so really good about this whole situation? The, the Sanhedrin was actually made up of three different types of sets. Typically, we hear about the Pharisees who believe in the resurrection, and we hear about the Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection, but there's actually a third set that's very rarely mentioned in the scriptures. These are called the Herodians. They were Roman and King Herod sympathizers, but yet they were still part of the governing body of Israel. And Paul is now standing, but he sees the, the, the dominant ones that are in this meeting are the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Okay? And the ones who really are the most vocal out of them all are the Pharisees. So they're the big mouth preachers. Okay? They're the ones that everybody see. Watch how he played them. Listen to the word of God as the Spirit works through this brother. So, he said, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am being judged. What do you think just happened when he made that statement? He just said to one side, I agree with you. There is a resurrection of the dead. Okay? But now, what's going to happen to the other side who don't believe in the resurrection? You're going to see a division take place and it's caused by the Holy Ghost. Watch this. Then it goes on. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Dissension means they were divided. They are now arguing amongst themselves. Do you think the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing? Yeah. He was creating a commotion in order to do what? Set his son free from them. 
Ain't God clever? Yes. You're going, God did that? Yes. You betcha. Watch on. And the assembly was divided, for Sadducees say there is no resurrection and no angel or spirit. But the Pharisees confessed both. Then there arose a loud outcry, and the scribes of the Pharisees' party arose and protested, saying, We find no evil in this man. But if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. It's about time the Pharisees took up for somebody, isn't it? Because yeah. <laughs> they were the very ones that had Jesus crucified. But this time, they're actually doing something right. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is at work here. If you don't think God won't come to your rescue, you got another thought coming because he had promised his children, I will never leave you or forsake you. And the word comforter, as Jesus said, when I leave, I will pray to the Father and he will send you another comforter, which is also paracolitos means advocate also. Well, what are you talking about? That means he's also a lawyer. Hello. So when you need one, you get one all the way from heaven. Amen? Amen. And let me tell you, no sharp tail lawyer on earth can outwit him. No Amen? No and so here they have it. These people are now arguing. In verse 10, now when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. Again, God is so clever at causing Caracas to happen that through all of this commotion, through all of this confusion, God was setting up a safe place for Paul. In the barracks of the enemy. God will protect you in the enemy's camp if you will put your trust in him. Amen. Amen. And let me tell you, here in these United States, in the days ahead, saints of God, get ready. We're going to have to be calling upon the name of Jesus and prepare ourselves to watch God work on our behalf because things are going to change. People are going to turn against the church. And I tell you, it could never have been a better time for the church to demonstrate all the gifts of the Spirit. Yes. It is never a time better than this for people to show forth the power of God and the wisdom of the Holy Ghost in them. Okay? It is time for all those miracles that you all seen overseas to be seen here in these United States. It is now time for God's children to stand up and say, here we are. Instead of being part of the problem, be the solution from heaven, not from earth. Amen. Stand up and say, thus said the Lord God, because there's power in the name of who? Amen. Jesus. And make it happen. Amen. You don't think Jesus is at work here? In the midst of all this hostility that's going on against his son, Paul. Because remember, it was the same Jesus that called Paul years early, who himself used to be the center of hostility towards the church. And Jesus plucked him out of that and said, okay, you want to 
go and harass my people, I'm going to make you one of them. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Now what you going to do? So he know what it's like to be persecuted, doesn't he? The shoe don't fit so good on the other foot. Remember that. Okay? All right, as we're moving along for a few more minutes, look at the genius of God. Took this man out of the midst of confusion, where his life was at stake. They would have killed him right then and there if the Holy Spirit had not stepped in and rescued him. Verse 11. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Who just showed up? On earth. Not from heaven, but where? On earth. Jesus came back and he's standing there with Paul. Amen. And y'all go, how could that be? Keep living in the spirit. God will show you things in the spirit that your earthly eyes had never seen before. Stop listening to doctrine of men and start listening to the spirit of the living God. Because God is not bound by human doctrine. Even though the word of God is profitable for doctrine, it does not operate on the outside to tell you to walk in human ways. It tells you to walk in the spirit of God. And what God will show you, sometimes men will say, that's impossible. You're right, it's impossible for men, but not with God. Okay? And watch God do things that you have never seen him do before in the name of God. Jesus. Okay. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. Not about yourself. Not about the name of a church or a fancy building you go to and a group of people. It's not about us at all. It's all about Jesus. When those wise men showed up there in Bethlehem, it wasn't about them. It wasn't about Mary. It wasn't about Joseph. It was about one person and that one person only. And that was Christ Jesus, the baby that was in the manger. Yes. Yes. It said, was he who'd been born, what? King of the Jews. They didn't come looking for no one else. And remember that. These men traveled hundreds of miles to get there. And Herod was shaking in his boots, even though they didn't have boots then, they had sandals. Okay? So now, this whole ordeal that's happening with Paul, Miss Vicky, this is all about Jesus. And now Jesus is standing there and he's looking at his son. Okay? Wouldn't you like that to happen to you? Of all the hell the world done put you through, and suddenly the Lord shows up. Yeah, I'm going, whoa! <laughs> but it's out of his love that he shows up. Amen. Amen? Let's go on just a little further. So now the Lord is there, and it says to Paul, Be of what? Good cheer. Now, let's put things in perspective for a second. Approximately 1,500 years earlier, there was a young, well, he's not young anymore. He's probably about 80, 85 years old. 
And his name is Joshua. And God says to him, Arise, for my servant Moses is dead. Take these people over this Jordan. In other words, take these nearly three million Israelites over the Jordan River into the promised land. Now, Paul was a modern day Joshua of his day. Because everywhere he preached the gospel, he was leading people across the Jordan into the promised land. Okay? That's what you all are. Every time y'all go from country to country, you're acting as a modern day Joshua to lead God's people. And here is what God said to the man Joshua. He said, do not be a Pray, for as I was with Moses, I will also be with you. Be of good cheer or good courage. Okay? Don't be afraid, son. And he tells Joshua this in chapter 1 of the book of Joshua several times. So whatever it is, whatever calling God has given you in your life, and he has given you a calling, some of you are just a little hard-headed. Be of good cheer. Okay? You have anything to be afraid of? Okay? You don't have anything to be afraid of. So be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, look at that. Do you see that? So you must also bear witness where? At Rome. Who's in Rome? What big boy is in Rome? What's his name? What's his name? Caesar. And who was Caesar? Huh? Who was Caesar? The emperor. The big boy. You know how Pharaoh was the big boy of his day? Caesar is the big boy of his day. And God, as God had sent Moses to stand before Pharaoh... God is now sending Paul to stand before who? Caesar. It is going to happen. No matter how hostile a crowd may seem, when God has given you a mission, can no devil in hell stop that mission? We must have faith in the risen Christ. When Jesus said, take off and go, you better take off and go. So don't think he doesn't know your pathway journey. Okay? Jesus knows everything along the path's journey. Okay? He knows all the hostile forces, and he knows all the friendly forces along the way. He knows where the food supplies are, and he knows where all the sleep places are. Jesus knows everything about the journey he just placed you on. Amen. Right. Here you go. Was Caesar persecuting? the Christians at this time? Oh, he hadn't unleashed it yet, but he's going to. (laughs) And so, had Caesar, was Caesar persecuting the Christians? Not yet, but but in about six years, oh, it would happen. Because in AD 70, Jerusalem falls to the Romans. And this is somewhere around AD 63, 64, maybe time period, maybe a little bit earlier. So just a few years in the near future, it will happen, and it will happen huge. Mm-hmm. 
so badly that they would even use Christians as human torches. And even skin alive and their skins made as coats. And the Romans were walking around wearing coats of skin from Christians. So it would get really, really bad. Okay? Yes. So now, as we close out this part of it today, Jesus just told Paul that your mission is in Rome. That's your destination. That's your calling. Your orders is to get to Rome. And the method in which God will use to get him there is not a pleasant method. Do you think they put Paul on a, on a horse and rode him over to the seaport so he can get on board that ship? No, they put him in chain. Behind a horse. And he walked in nearly 50 miles from Jerusalem to the seaport in Caesarea. And there he boarded a ship. You will see it later. But right now, you're all going, why would God use something so ugly to get people where he wants them to be when all he has to do is say, hey, here, move all the obstacles out the way. Well, then look at the cross. <coughs> Don't forget the cross. Something so beautiful as salvation came out of something so ugly. So don't forget the cross of Christ. And now look at your beautiful self looking in the mirror going, don't that look pretty? Yeah. But look what God did to you by Jesus. Okay? Look what God did. And when it was day, some of the Jews band together and bound themselves on an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. The enemy of God is relentless. He's not going to give up. Since the beginning of time, as far as we know, that that old serpent has been coming against God's people. And the first ones he targeted was Adam and Eve. And Eve. You think he rested? No. Hmm. Hello. Yes. You think he's resting now because you're sitting up in this place all cute? No. Mm-hmm. He may be sitting in your car when you get out there. <laughs> But you got something greater than the enemy. You got Jesus and his blood. Amen? And we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our... That means you got to tell somebody. Amen? Amen. So, as we stop here today, remember... You are not popular among the demons. And those same demons that hate you with a pure hatred have human agents 
that they use to get at you. And some of those human agents are from your own household. Hello. Some could be your next door neighbor. Some could be your bosses. Some can sit in the same church where you sit. He doesn't care who he will use. But you must know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You must know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has overcome the world. He said, do not fear, for I have overcome the world. And you have a Father in heaven that's greater than any human on earth. And sneezing. <laughs> and so center yourself in the heart of Christ. Center your life on Jesus. Fix your eyes on the author and finisher of our salvation. Knowing that the captain of our salvation is made perfect through our weakness. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, is not weak. They'll never beat him again. Amen. He's the victorious Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Don't Forget that. Angels bow down to him. And can you imagine going up against Gabriel? Or Michael? And yet, those great warriors of the living God bow down to Jesus. And say, what is it? Our master want us to do next. Go protect my daughter Ruth. Go protect my son Tucker. Faster than lightning, they are here standing with their swords drawn. Did you understand this? Every head bow. Do you understand what God is doing in the universe for his children? Jesus Christ is not sitting by idly in heaven and watch everything happen to you and to me and is not moved by it. The Son of God is moved by it. And if you don't believe me, read the Psalms. And the Psalms will tell you, the very Psalms you're reading, Psalms 18, tell you that God rent the heavens and came down. Read Psalms 102. Read Psalms 104. Read Psalms 107. Continue on. Psalms 105. And you'll find out that God moves upon the wind and fire and thunder and lightnings and dark clouds go before him. And when the Almighty speaks, thunder roars. And when he steps down, coals are ignited. And when he shows up, no demon is able to stop him. No. 
And David said, and you rent the heavens and you stepped down and you came to my rescue. And you scattered your foes with the word of your mouth and with the slash of your sword, you dismayed them. You read the word of God and you will see that God is on our side. Every head by our Father. I don't know where everybody stands with your son Jesus or with you. But what I do know, Lord Jesus, is that you love us. And that these people are gathered in your name. And Lord, for everyone that may be struggling right now, we're asking for extra measure of your grace so that by your spirit every heart will turn back to you we're praying for our loved ones we're praying for our friends our colleagues even the stranger oh god so that your perfect will can be done in their lives and your perfect will is that all men come to repentance not a one is lost and so, Lord Jesus, we're asking every person right now to talk to you, wherever they are. I'm asking you, church, right now, every head bow now. You know where, you know how you stand with God right now. You know how you've been living. And I'm asking you, as well as myself now, don't leave this place unless things are right with God through Christ Jesus. Make sure that your heart is right by saying to Lord Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against God and I ask you to forgive me. And dear Lord, I ask you to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit and seal me, O oh God, and strengthen me to walk according to your word and not according to my flesh. Lord Jesus, I love you. You are the apple of my eye. You're the one whom I live for and cherish all the days of my life. And I love you. Now, Lord, oh God, our God, be with your people around the world until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Now I'm going to turn it over to our brother and sister, Brother Lon and, and Sister Ruth. It's yours. They're going to tell us about missions. Woo! Isn't this good? We have a church. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this church and I'm going to come out of the closet today. Amen. I'm going to come out of the closet. I've never said this in front of the church in my whole entire life. But you know, I think we've got a big mistake going on in this in this United States. I'm going to talk about why I'm here in a minute. But I think we ought to eliminate churches of color. Amen. And I think we ought to have churches like this church. Amen. This is a perfect example of what our churches ought to be like. I think we're doing it wrong, and I don't know what it'll take to change it. But I think we ought to change it, and this is as good an example of what it ought to be like. As I know of. To God be the glory. Amen. Anyway, uh, I, I just, I, I, that's all, I just, it's been on my heart. I mean, you know what? The Lord's convicting me of this 
we're doing it wrong and we need to get it right because you travel into these foreign countries they don't have churches of color you know what they have churches they have a church amen isn't that what we ought to have yes sir that's what we ought to have is church that's right and i you know i don't know how to change it it's, it'll take some work but that's what it ought to be because we're what we're one people in the lord amen we're one people and i just had to say that to <laughs> god be the glory it's eating a hole in me uh, God has blessed me. I've had an opportunity uh, just because somebody told me about the opportunity to go and serve him in foreign countries. I'm here. And I'm doing the same thing that that person did for me a long time ago in 1984. Uh, I, went to, uh, I went to Peru on my first mission trip. Man, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. I thought I was going to be carrying somebody's bags. And they asked me to speak in front of a church. And they just started the ball rolling. And, and the Lord's blessed me to have an opportunity uh, to, to, to go out and serve him. You know, here it reminds me of a story. Recently, I was in uh, uh, Venezuela, and I'm uh, out in a dump, actually, a big old dump out beside a big city, and people lived out there. And they made a living by, and they took their kids, and they went out, and they scavenged through the the old uh, the, the trash that was dumped and they burned it and they got the metal out of it and they that's how these folks made a living and I was going down this trail and I was uh, going down through there and I was going to invite people to come to this church which was in a house and it was going to be an outside preaching event and I'm going down through there and just inviting people and I don't know anybody from anybody and I come to this one house and there's this little uh, uh, this this lady and her her uh, her, her daughter, and uh, I started uh, talking to them, and of course we use interpreters when we're in the foreign countries, and we do work through those churches. Sometimes they're an outside church. Uh, they might be under a tree. Most of them are in buildings, but uh, anyway, uh, I invited them to come and go to church that night, and this little girl said, wait just a minute, and she run back in her house, and one of the things that happens before we get there, we encourage them to do a, a thing, what we call, uh, it's uh, Operation Andrew, where the people in the churches where we're going in the foreign countries start praying for people before we get there. And that little girl, uh, she's a little bit bigger than her, maybe about, this, about the size of this little young lady right here. And uh, she ran back in her house and she came back out of her house and, and she had a piece of paper as one of our forms, and she opened that form up, and she had the, the names of 10, or excuse me, 12 people that was, she was praying before, before I got there. A little girl, you know, before I ever got on the plane to come to that place, was there in Venezuela, out in that dump area, at, at where she lived, and she was praying for the lost. And what we ought to have is that heart and that desire for the lost. And it, I, I hope I don't butcher it up, but I want to quote a verse. Uh, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need the physician, but those who are sick. Mm -hmm. you, you know, we spend all of our time on what? Save the people. Healthy. Mm -hmm. This is the healthy here, I think, hopefully. <laughs> And the sick is what? Out That's there. Right. And they're around this world. And Jesus said, "It is uh, uh, I desire compassion and not sacrifice. And we're all intent nowadays on the sacrifice part. Well, I, boy, howdy, I got up this morning and I, I went to church. 
Well, mm. that's our what? That's our sacrifice. That's all we think about nowadays. Is that we we've lost that what? That compassion for the person that's lost. I mean, I haven't done it that many times, but to the point where you're really thinking about having a tear, uh, you know, come to your eyes for the loss. And then Jesus said. Uh, I did not come to call the righteous. Right. Who did he say he came to? He said, to I came to call, call sinners. The lost. The, the sinner. The sinner. Mm -hmm. You're right. And uh, we give you the perfect opportunity to step out and go out and go beyond where you are today. And, and the Lord's calling us to go beyond. But we, we you know, it's kind of like we got a big old chain back here that's holding us. Ooh, I want to go forward, but you know, oh wait a minute, there's a there's a wedding shower that's coming up, or there's a wedding, or you know, it's a family situation, or uh, you, you know, my job. There is absolutely no way if I went on a mission trip. My job, the, 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 the company would disintegrate, you know, they've got to have me. That's the way we think about our, you know, that we can't go because of all this stuff. And I want you to think and understand that, that the Lord uh, only going to call out, he may call out one person out of this group. If he does, I'll be doing a, you know, a triple somersault or something. <laughs> uh, you're not going to go unless the Lord calls you. But I think that what we ought to be doing is praying that the Lord will call us. Amen. Because I think if you took a, a pyramid, you know, a lot of what's going on in God's work is right around the base of that pyramid. What I want you to start thinking about is coming up here to the tip of that pyramid, you know, right up on the, the absolute point. And I think in my own humble mind, that a lot of the things that we do out there where we going on out and just seeing where the end of that where the end of the trail is or to be walking that trail and find that little girl that has the faith to be out there praying for people that's what you know that's the tip of that thing and i want to encourage you to come and do that you know what we got a veteran out back here and we just ran and we haven't seen terry in a long time terry cram would raise your hand so i don't know if they know you Mm -hmm. but this little girl went with us to Brazil in 2009 and I haven't we haven't seen each other in it's been a few years now we run into each other occasionally but uh, she might even give us a good reference you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to crawl under the chair did I so uh, anyway uh, we would love to have you come and go with us. We work through uh, churches. Ruth, just get up and, and say a few words, and Ruth will close us out. I, I get excited about this because it'll change you. It'll allow you to have that Holy Spirit time with the Lord and that, uh, to see people coming to know the Lord on these evangelistic works will change you. It will change. Thank you for allowing me to speak. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Sammy, for letting us be here. Thank you all for having us and welcoming us. We really appreciate this opportunity. Um, you know, Law was talking about the passion part, and um, I want to tell you about the urgency part. He says, get one story. I can't tell you one story, but I can skim over real fast. Like, can I, you know, should I tell you about the 17-year-old the boy that, that tried to commit suicide in front of us? Should I tell you about the pagodas, the temples and the worship, about how they worship so many different gods, and all those gods 
uh, among them, they have lined up in different sizes, big, huge ones that fill this room. They have little ones. And if you're born on a Monday, you go to this God. If you're born on a Tuesday, you go to this God. If you're born on a Wednesday, you go to this God. Thank God, my God knows our name like Salmon was talking about. He knows our name individually. So what better time to tell these people that there is a God that knows you. You don't have to go to the God born on Monday because our God already knows when we're born. He knows every hair on our head. Mm -hmm. um, can I tell you about Brazil? We went back there a second time. And um, their laws are changing. They're, we're no longer allowed to pray in public or have a devotion in public. We were at a hotel and somebody complained that we were having a devotion and next thing you know, we had to stop. So there is an urgency to get out there. Laws are changing. People need to hear the word of God. They need to hear that there's hope. That's why that 17-year-old boy tried to commit himself. He was in a poor situation, a poor family, a poor society where in the culture that he was living in. And a lot, I found out a lot of teenagers kill themselves because they don't have any hope. That's the urgency that we need to realize that people are dying out there without Christ. It's not just, oh, casually just, you know, go talk to someone. That's great. But we have to realize that people are dying every minute around the world mm -hmm. without Christ. That's right. And that's what we, we came here to tell you. It's so important. Let, let, you know, try to not think about everything we have going on, because we certainly all do. America runs at a fast pace, it seems like. But in the other countries, there's so many that are just waiting to hear about Christ and what he has to offer. One of my favorite two several verses here is Mark twelve thirty, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and all thy strength. And this is the first commandment in Mark 30, 12, 31. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other than these you know, commandments, none other greater than these commandments. If we truly love our neighbor... We will tell them, we will share the hope that we have with, you know, with God to, to them. We'll share that. We'll take our whole being and do that. So just think about that as we go out today. You know, there's so much, you know, in, in Myanmar, they have this giant pagoda. I mean, even larger than the rest of the whole city. And on top of it is the hugest gem in the world. And they offer it to idols, not to anything else. They have no other hope. The people are starving below, but yet they've got, you know, man-made riches and they don't know anything about God. So I just want to encourage you. We, Lon and I are here. We love this part. We will encourage and walk you through every step of the way and how to prepare to go on a mission trip. And we'll be there with you on that mission trip. And we just love you and thank you so we much. Three uh, oh, uh, we have three projects. That's right. One in March is uh, to Bulgaria. One in July is to Ghana, Africa. And the one in November is to um, Moldova. Now, I just want to say something to the kids in here because there's lots of kids. How many of you little kids know God has, and teenagers, know God has a plan for your life? Are, 
You do? Great. Wonderful. How many know what that plan is specifically? Yeah, okay. It's hard to know what his plan is, but I'll tell you, when I was a little kid, I was six years old, and I was brought to church on a bus. I'm like, oh, you are? Well, great. Then I know how old I was then. Yes, and a bus brought me to church. My parents did not come to church. You have wonderful support here. Lean on these people. They'll teach you the right way to go. And, you know, God called me out, and he used me. I didn't at six years old, I had no idea I'd get to travel around the world and be a missionary and evangelize for him. And God has just blessed me so much. And I've had the honor and privilege to work with so many different people. And God's love is all the way around this world. So anyway, I thank God. I praise him. And I know God's got a plan for your life. And I pray that he reveals it to you, each and every one of you adults too, <laughs> and, uh, and uses you. And I pray that you will obey and step up and do it. And thank you. God bless you. Amen. All right. I'm hoping that some of us will go on a mission trip with them. And they've been trying to hook me for the past uh, just few years to go with them. Well, we too. <laughs> I know. So hopefully we will in the near future. We'll be praying about it. Um, don't forget that later on today, the Christmas float at Tamara's and rehearsal, uh, dress rehearsal tomorrow. Come try on your costume tomorrow at 6 o'clock. And Friday, we're going to do a dress rehearsal here. Friday at 6 o'clock. We need to get it wired down, okay, for the Christmas parade. Any questions, anybody? Until good, with all hearts and minds clear, I'll go ahead and close this out in prayer, deacons. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful time of fellowship with you and your son, Jesus, our Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for allowing us to come together in your name. And Lord, we appreciate you and love you. And we ask now that you touch our hearts and Help us, Lord, to meditate upon those things that Lon and, and Ruth have shared with us. And we're praying that, Holy Spirit, open that door for your people, for us to go. Give us the means, all the things that, that's needed to go out and share your gospel with others. Lord, we love you. Be with us continually until we meet again. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.